0: Some
1: people call me the space cowboy. Yeah. Some call me the gangster love. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You are entering the sports nuts and beer cuts episode 40. Welcome to the Sean Camp of Podcast, the Gale Sayers of Podcast. Chris Collette, want to make sure I mention this was also the Udonis Haslam of podcast. <laughs> Chris, I got to be honest, I was feeling good. Sean Kemp, Gail Sayers. I mean, this is, we're bringing it tonight. And then you throw in Udonis. What gives, man?
2: Um, Hickey was making his return to the podcast, so I had to troll him somehow. <laughs> and Udonis uh, <laughs> Haslam was that guy.
0: That's uh, a pretty well, good one.
1: He's, he's a big time troll. We got Sean Kemp, who Sean could have almost did play at Kentucky camp. Uh, I believe Walter McCarty was number 40 back in the day when Kentucky was dominating. Um, but my goodness, you guys has them. Can't believe we're doing this, but this episode is officially going to be terrible when you're back. We got yeah. the OGs. Goes the- it man?
0: Yeah, guys. Great to, great to be back. Great to see your faces and to be joining y'all. Um, just to uh, give some context for everybody, I've, I've been away for a month. Um, my dad passed away unexpectedly. Um, he had been ill, but uh, up until the um, Friday before he passed away, he died three weeks ago today. So he died on a Wednesday. Um, his prognosis was actually really good, so it was uh, it was a bit unexpected. Um, so um, it's been a been a really rough month. Um, I've uh, just first of all, I'm surrounded by some incredible friends. So um, the top of that list, you guys. Um, every, everybody that you all have listened to on this podcast, man, Just I'm, I've been overwhelmed by the, uh, the care they've shown and just the, the gr- incredible friends that I've got. We've, we've known each other for so long, but you know, Logan, Chris, AWOL, McClure, Peak, Cole, all, all those guys that have been uh, you know on the podcast here. And then the people we've mentioned, Andy, and, uh, Adam York, I mean, those uh, everybody's reached out in so many ways. And, um, it's, I'm just so incredibly lucky to, uh, to have all these guys in my life and, um, it's something for which I'm, I'm very fortunate. Um, all these guys knew my dad at some, some capacity. Um, and I could talk on and on and on about what an incredible man he was. Um, and every now and then I'll probably be a little more indulgent and tell a story about him, um. But uh, the fact is, I couldn't be, uh, you know, a lot of times when something like this happens, when you have an unexpected death, you end up learning some things about people that you don't want to find out. And the more that I've learned about my dad, the more amazed I am. He, I found out in his his last couple of years, he was teaching people in his plant English on their lunch breaks. Some of those folks now are fluent. He was developing some medical devices. I, I had no idea. Like things things that I learned about him, I just I just didn't know. He was in uh, plastic engineering and manufacturing his whole career. Um, I mean, right s- sitting right next to me is a cup he designed uh, that used to be sold in in Walmart's in East Tennessee. Pretty big. Uh, that is of the 1998 Tennessee National Championship season. So that cup is priceless. <laughs> Logan, pay for it, but uh, Chris, Chris might. I don't know if you know. Anyway. Um, but that's that's been amazing. It's just a, an incredible legacy. Um, so that's been been pretty awesome to see that um, in, in in the past few weeks. So um, thanks for letting me ramble for a minute about it. But I'll I'll tell stories about my dad as we go. He was he was an incredible incredible man, and the best possible thing I could do is to uh, try to be the dad that he was to my kids. If the whole world had a dad like Bob Hickman, it would be a much better place.
1: Amen to that man. I appreciate you sharing. Um you know, we we knew Bob, we love Bob. Um a gentle soul. My favorite thing about Bob was one time when I you had told me he had bought a sailboat and I said, "Well, Bob, how's the sailing going?" He said, "Well, I haven't learned how to do it yet." I said, "What?"
0: <laughs> I said, yeah.
1: I have always wanted to sail, so I thought about retiring, so I bought a sailboat and decided to try it out. Um <laughs> Never did retire. Uh, I don't know how well he got nope. at sailing his boat, but I love the idea. He was just like, I've always wanted to sail. Let's go buy a sail- a small little sailboat and see what
0: happens. Um, he learned how uh, to sail. Yeah. <laughs> he figured it out. Yeah. You, you can ask A. while we went sailing one day. Yeah. 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 I remember him
1: telling me about that first time, the uh, first couple of <laughs> times he tried to go out and, you know, couldn't get the wind right. And people are looking at him like, what are you doing? I like, I don't know, man. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Such yeah. fun. Such a good dude. Um, well, in a not so easy transition, guys, I don't know about you, but, um, one thing I've learned over the last couple of weeks, well, first, let me ask you guys this. When was the last time you guys taught your wife something?
0: It's, this was a long time ago. I taught her how to drive a manual transmission. Okay. Um, ended in a whole lot of tears and angry words from her. <laughs> she could do it. But she was not happy about it. That's uh, that's the first thing that comes to mind. It's been a bit; did not go well. But okay. she can do it. Chris,
2: I, I got nothing on this one. Uh, <laughs> me and my, me <laughs> and my wife are both very hard-headed people, and we'll just figure it out on our own, like or, uh, by ourselves. Uh, you,
1: you haven't taught Liz how to hit the magic stick
2: yet. Uh, we took to her golf in one time, and she uh, she said, "I'm only uh, only using the driver." No matter where she was, she could be on the green. Got to hit the big stick. So,
1: <laughs> hey, sometimes uh, you got to let the big dog eat. Yeah. Um. Well, guys, this past week, I've been working on a paver patio in the backyard. It's been taking, I've been working on it for weeks. So, the wife decided she was going to give me a break and she was going to mow the front yard. Um, I know she's, she's never mowed. I know she's never mowed. Um, but I thought, great, this is awesome because you just got to show me what to do. No problem. I got a self-propelled push mower. The front yard it's not too big. Let's do it. So I was like, "Hey, you gotta get it out of the garage." Well, five minutes later, she's like, "All right, we're ready to go." So I go put gas in it, and um, you know, she's like, "All right, so what, what do I do?" I was like, "Well, you you pull this bar back, you start it. You know, the only way the t- the the blades are going to spin is if this bar is engaged, and then you just push this little button, and it'll it'll go for you." She's like, "Yeah, but how do you like make those lines and stuff?" I was like, "Well." just start on one side you go and then you turn around you go straight down the other side like it start over here on the curb like it's pretty easy um so i start to walk away after i get this lawnmower started and right in the middle of our driveway there's our sidewalk that leads to our front door I look back and my wife is mowing right down the middle of our front yard. Like (laughs) she just took off and is following the sidewalk. And so I yell, stop. Hey, hey, what are you doing? She was like, what? I was like, where are you going? I'm just going to mow the grass as I see it. It's a girl, you got to start on one side and work your way over. Oh, okay. Okay. So she goes and I mean, she's got three or four lines done and there's grass sticking up all over the place and. Um, but i'm like hey she's mowing the front yard more power to her super thankful let's let her have it so she gets done and she tells me say hey i'm so proud of myself i mowed the front yard and i walk up there and it looked like there were figure eights done in the front yard at some places like how she did it with the push mower i don't know so i look back at this one big old patch where there's grass still sticking up all over the place and i say summer what happened right there She goes. I don't know. I ran over it with the lawnmower. I don't know what happened. It just didn't cut it for some reason. You're telling me you ran over that ga- that grass with the lawnmower oh, no. and it just didn't happen to cut it? Like, what is going on? Um, so, you know, once I, once I decide to get the weed eater out there, you'll see me weed eating the front yard, the entire front yard. Um, <laughs> because there <laughs> are patches all over the place. Uh, but like you would see her, like halfway through the front yard, she decided instead of just keep going up and back, she made this sharp left turn because she just saw grass down there that needed to be cut too. Um, <laughs> not thinking you'll get there eventually if you just keep going up and back. Uh, so i've I've had a I've had quite the time not letting anybody come to my house this last week, thinking I was drunk and trying to mow the front yard. Um, but. I did that thinking, I don't know when last time me or my wife taught each other how to do something. Um, so I think we're just going to stick to puzzles and Pac-Man for the rest of quarantine because cool. I, be, I don't think she needs to be mowing anymore, but my goodness, I'm thankful she did it once. Well, guys, we're going to talk tonight. Just we're trying to give everybody an update about what's going on with sports these days. Um, we got a little bit to talk about a lot. Um, just kind of figure out where every sport is, what their plans are. We're going to start with the NFL, um, as they've done the whole time, they are sticking with their typical NFL schedule. They released the schedule this past week. Hickman, how much do you care about the NFL releasing, um, their regular season schedule?
0: I mean, the NFL is probably my favorite sport to follow, but I don't really care that much. It's, it's (laughs) enough for me to like peruse it. Um, but that's
1: it. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at it and I'm like, well, let me just see when the Bengals play the Ravens and the Steelers. Yeah, They're normally, they're normally going to play them once early, once late in the season um, each. And so, but I mean, it's it's a schedule. It's already done. It's just a matter of mm-hmm. where you play. And every now and then I'll look to see, are they going to play, you know, is this year the, they play the Titans or the Panthers, you know, somebody nearby or something. But yeah, it's it's not super noteworthy. Chris, how much do you care about the NFL schedule?
2: On, on a typical year, it would be 0%. Um, but this year, the Titans, for some asinine reason, play the uh, late Monday night game week one. Oh, uh, oh, that's the worst game of the year. Yeah, that's a game. Usually it's like oh, Broncos man. Raiders.
0: It makes right? no sense that the Titans are in that game. And it's I'm just be a like, okay,
2: I'm going to start watching it and I'll fall asleep by halftime. <laughs> yeah. There's 0% chance I'm watching the third quarter. Uh, whenever it was released that afternoon, somebody from Denver tweeted, Oh, Broncos Titans second Monday night game week one. And I go, are you kidding me? (laughs) So I'm going to be up until 1am or some stupid time, uh, all because of the schedule. So that's, that was the first time I've ever looked at the schedule and had like a actual reaction to it. Uh. Other than that, I mean, you already knew the teams, who they're playing. It's just a matter of what yeah, no. what week they're playing, uh, how many primetime games you get. I, I don't care. I mean, I, I I see all the Titans games anyway, so it doesn't matter if it's primetime. It's not. It is is whatever. But that second Monday night game, week one, ugh, That's,
0: I'm, ex- I'm excited. The Steelers play right before it. I'm going to watch both games. <laughs> I, we can We can text throughout it, man. Don't worry. I'll be up with you.
2: I need help staying up for sure. Okay. If I'm back to work.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, in the past, uh, as a Bengals fan, we always dreaded any sort of primetime game that we had. But now that we've moved on from Andy Dalton, uh, (laughs) who was less than mediocre come primetime, we'll see what happens. (laughs) Um, Guys, who does Earl Thomas play for in week one? I don't know if you saw it this past week, but Earl Thomas decided that getting <laughs> naked in the same bed as his brother was a good idea. Um, now, there were a couple other women involved, um, so much so that his wife showed up with a gun and held him at gunpoint because there were other women involved. Ravens didn't like it. They'd had enough, and so they, they're they trying everything they can um, to void his contract. If they can't, I they assume can. he's being tracked. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how this falls under. I don't know. I can't imagine they had this listed in his contract. Thou shalt not um, have an affair with your brother in the same room. Um, but, Chris,
2: so who's Earl Thomas playing with in week one? Is it the Ravens? I think he goes back to Seattle. I No. I think it's happening. I, I It may not be Seattle. I forgot he had the the bird where he flipped Pete Carroll <laughs> off. Uh, when yeah, he I heard don't his think knee. the
1: Legion of Boom is reforming For, in Seattle. I forgot about that before. one.
2: Uh, D- Dallas, Dallas,
0: he's
1: Dallas. going there to Dallas. Go. Yeah. He's, a, he's a
2: Texas, Texas boy. Uh,
1: he, he wanted to go home. Um, was yeah. it last year or two years ago?
2: Yeah. Um, that's when the Seahawks wouldn't trade him and he got hurt that yeah. same he, year.
1: Uh, I, he, Dallas, he saw, he saw Jason Garrett in the, um, in the hallway after the game and, and yelled at him so everybody could hear, Hey, man, if you get a chance, find a way to get me on your roster. Um, he plus,
2: wants to be plus Dallas was rumored to trade for the Jets safety. Jamal Adams mm. last year at the trade deadline. So that would make sense. So uh, Baltimore is a weird city or a weird team where they, they feel like they have a culture. They have to, I mean, they had Ray Lewis for Christ's sakes. It's Ray Lewis, the, Ray Rice. Ray Rice. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. insanity, but they think they're holier than now at times. I, I mean, <laughs> technically Earl Thomas is the victim in this situation. <laughs> and they're trying to like they're like get out of here.
0: The point it was it was bizarre.
2: <laughs> Definitely bizarre. I
1: mean, Earl Thomas is 31, but he can still play. I mean, Hickman, if he ends up with the Cowboys, that's a pretty big upgrade, right?
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a blow to the Ravens too. Um I I hope he goes somewhere else as a Steelers fan. I'm sure you do too as a Bengals <laughs> fan. Let's let's get him out of the division. Go on. Uh, I like I'm, I'm with you, Chris. Baltimore. I feel like a lot of teams that have this idea that they have this culture. I mean, there there is something to be said for a a a, a culture in a company or in an organization, but the the holier than thou attitude that some franchises do tend to project. I, you know, whatever. We saw what happened with Ray Rice. They. <laughs> oh, we saw it all right. Yeah. Well, Goodell did made well, whatever.
1: And once the league <laughs> saw it, they decided to change course, and he was no longer playing. Um, but speaking of playing Week One, Heyman, what are the odds the NFL actually plays Week One?
0: Right now, I'm going to give it a 50 50. Um, a lot can happen in four months. Um, but the other thing is we have like the football takes so much preparation. You you can't just like throw on pads and go play. So, um, you know, we're looking at camps and all this summer. Uh, I'm still going to give it a 50, 50, um, whether it's played with fans, I'm not going to speculate to that, but whether or not we see games then that's, that's where I've got it.
1: So would you recommend anybody change their fantasy football draft date at this point or not?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I guess it depends if the lights are booked or not.
0: (laughs) A flight purchased so (laughs) i i guess i'm gonna be on a flight
2: (laughs) chris what say you nfl plays week one what percent chance i think kegman's right on the money I, i go 50 50 um i would be tend to be more pessimistic but um as we're gonna get to later nascar starts this week the pga starts a month from now i feel like it's inevitable that baseball and basketball will start before the NFL season. So th- they'll be able to see what's working and what's not with other leagues and uh, and kind of uh, have a better chance of success of getting the season started and actually play through. So,
1: Will the NFL play without fans?
2: I think so. I think TV's that substantial for the NFL.
1: Yep. I think it'll actually be a good thing cuz they won't be blocking they won't black out any local local games like they do with the Jaguars and the Bengals from time to time. Um, yeah. huh. and we'll talk we'll talk about that about this more later but to me I think the biggest issue the NFL has playing week 1. California came out and said LA's probably going to be under a stay at home order for the next 3 months. That's August. Yeah, it's uh, brutal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the NFL, I don't know if you guys know this, decided to put two teams in LA. And to make sure everybody knew they had two teams in LA, they put two teams with identical uniforms in LA. Um, <laughs> so I don't know how you make it work. I mean, we got three teams in California. I'm not sure if they can't play, if they can't start in August uh, until August. I don't, you know, getting together and stuff. I don't know how they play week one. So I'd say it's less than 50%. Um, but then again, the NFL has been pretty stubborn on this whole thing that they're keeping that timeline. Um, so guys, a couple of, a couple notes I had when they released the schedule, the Patriots and the Bucks don't play at the same time until week 15. Surely, coincidence. <laughs>
0: 100%. Hick-
1: Hickman, is this the NFL's way of saying, Hey, Tom Brady fans, we want you to enjoy the Patriots and the Buccaneers.
0: Well, I think it is appalling that you would suggest that there is any sort of favoritism towards Tom Brady, the New England Patriots, or that franchise. Well, uh, yeah, it's mean, definitely favoritism.
1: <laughs> I assume the favoritisms to Robert Kraft.
0: Oh god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a little favoritism to old uh, old Oasis Spa Robert Kraft. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean. Every team on the East Coast is expected to pretty much play a 1 p.m. kickoff, right? I mean, that's just mm-hmm. how it works. How it is. Yeah. Uh, we got two teams on the East Coast that don't both play at the same time till Week 15. Now, I have seen the pundits basically talk about how both teams have so many primetime games that it makes it inevitable that they wouldn't play at the same time. But um, another thing about the Patriots, they have a Thursday night game in L.A., Week 14. I don't know if you guys know this, but teams flying two or more time zones have never won a Thursday night game.
0: Hmm.
1: Believe it. Okay. So you would assume when the Patriots go play the Rams week 14, the Rams are guaranteed a W. No. Well, the Patriots play the Chargers week 13, the week before. So they're not traveling at all for week 14. They're just going to stay. the pay, the uh the Rams actually play the Cardinals, so they're actually going to have to fly. They I think they play maybe even the Sunday night game, um, or or a Sunday Sunday afternoon game when they play the Cardinals. Um, so week fourteen, the Patriots, one of the few teams that don't um have to fly for a Thursday night game,
2: they're actually staying put. Is this Patriots favoritism, Chris? Um, I'm gonna go with no. It's just random. It happened. Uh, and and they tend to. Like they try to avoid the cross country trips. Uh, and, and I mean, a lot of teams nowadays really do have trips that are where they stay on the east coast if you're a west coast team and vice versa for a whole week, uh, throughout the year. So it just happens to fall that way. Uh, and this Patriots team needs all the help they can get. So <laughs> kudos to them.
1: Yeah, I actually. I don't think it's favoritism. I wish the NFL would do more of this kind of stuff. I mean, I think this year, maybe the 49ers that are playing two games back-to-back in Meadowland, they're playing the Giants and the Jets the next week. Yeah. Um, I, wish the, I wish they'd do more of this. I'm tired of a team guaranteeing a loss because they had to ha- have a six-hour flight uh, a day or two before the game. So I'm actually okay with this one. Um, but it does—it has popped up on the interwebs as a little fishy um, as the Pats try to rebuild without Tom Brady. Guys, the NBA is coming up, um, but more importantly than the NBA season, the last dance finale is coming on Sunday. Chris, how sad are you going to be when this is
2: over? Uh, I'll be mildly sad. It's given me something to watch. Uh, as somebody that can always find something to bitch about. <laughs> Man, these time, time jumps in this thing are insane. <laughs> I, uh, I hope whenever it comes out on ESPN Plus or Netflix – They have like a chronological like uh, edition out where you can just watch whatever happens in chronological order instead of all the jumping back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, there's no rhyme or reason to have to stuff jumping back and forth. Oh. Uh, I get lost from time to time. It's it's insane. So I
1: mean, It's called The Last Dance. We expect it to be about the last season in Chicago, which should be a pretty chronological thing. I mean, last week I thought about just getting out pen and paper and trying to write down, like, what where are we going? Like, it's entertaining, but my goodness, it's hard to keep up with.
2: I feel like they shouldn't have named it The Last Dance. They should have named it the Michael Jordan documentary. and. <laughs> <laughs> had episodes nine and ten about the last dance. Yeah, I mean this past week was definitely the
1: this is Michael Jordan directing, editing this thing, and, and making sure you hear what he wants to tell you. Um, you know, it's a little bit of the woe is me, see me crying. I care more than everybody, that's why I'm better. Um but it has been entertaining and I'm actually, you know, I'm not sad the the finale's coming up. Because I think there's so many storylines that people are looking back on and saying, hey, I need more of this. Give me more of this. What exactly happened here? Um, Hickman, one thing I talked about this past week, Jordan deciding to play some baseball after his dad died. Did Jordan choose to play baseball, or was he forced to play baseball because of a little gambling incident that, that came about?
0: Uh, I mean, I, I've not seen the documentary, but that's I, – I, I love – I think I like NBA conspiracy theories more than any other league just because I think they're more plausible like <laughs> Damn, doing the sure, Knicks. Maybe. That's another one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, th- I think it's possible. I do, I do think the 93 Bulls were out of gas. I think that was it for them. And I think there's there's also a, a world where Jordan just sort of knew they weren't going to win the championship the next year, that they were just done for a bit and he walked away then too. I don't know. The gambling thing is possible. <laughs> it's uh yeah, to be
1: to be fair, Hickman is not a Michael Jordan fan. I'm not. Um, <laughs> so, how did you feel about Charles Barkley's uh words this past week when he said on the Dan Le podcast that, you know, Jordan's basically perceived as this in the in the whole series is Basically, this guy who will challenge all of his teammates, expect the best out of him, fight him if he has to. And Charles Barkley basically said, listen, he picked on guys that he knew weren't going to throw a punch back. You didn't see him picking on, um, you know, the Knicks back then or uh, the Pistons, like guys that he knew that would pummel him to the ground. He was selective in picking on guys like Steve Kerr and Steve Buchler and all these guys. Um, You think there's any truth to that?
0: Oh, boy. No. I love Chuck. He's he's one of my favorites. <laughs> How do you not like the guy? I don't think that's true. I think Jordan. I think Jordan bullied anyone and everyone. Uh, I love the story about. Okay, so here's the example. I remember seeing hearing about Robert Parrish. Like he tried to throw a punch at Robert Parrish in practice <laughs> when he was with the. You know, Robert Parrish was like 80 at the time, and because it was at the end of the Bulls, the Bulls second run, and Robert Parrish stood his ground. Pushed him back and said something like, because he was like this sage wisdom guy. He was born that way, I think. He said something like, listen, young fella, I have a few rings, too, and I'm not so enamored with you, so back off. (laughs) And he, I mean, I, I think he tried to pick on everybody, but it worked with most people. I think he was, yeah, not only a physical bully, but definitely psychological. I think people were terrified of him. So anyway.
1: Yeah, I don't know if Jordan was this. I, I still don't know who I fall in line with with the Jordan-LeBron best ever debate. Um, but I do think there's something to Jordan being the best competitor in the history of sports.
0: Totally agree. Um,
1: the guy just refused to go down, refused to lose. Um, and it was it was impressive, uh, when, especially when you go back and hear all these stories about, you know, poker nights till three in the morning, uh, the quote-unquote flu game, Um I mean, the dude was just a competitor that expected the best out of everybody, which, as we've seen, is also why he's probably a terrible owner. Uh, Awful. um, That's why most of these guys are terrible coaches, because you expect everybody to be as good as you are, and if you're the best ever, it's impossible. Um, Harrison Barnes is not going to be as good as Michael Jordan. I'm sorry, buddy. you got to move on. So, Malik Monk, on the other hand, watch out. Superstar. (laughs) Chris, the NBA looks like they're going to finish out the season. They're going to do daily testing, uh, player, you know, before the game, if a player tests positive, they got to sit out for 14 days. Um, does the NBA need to come back with a season or should they just jump right
2: into the playoffs? Oh, um, I would jump to the playoffs because there's really the eight seed out West is only, only seed really in doubt at this point. Uh, and that way, you only have sixteen teams instead of thirty. Uh, I mean, the AC AC West. I mean, Memphis. I think has it by two games right now, uh, as it currently stands. Uh, yep. And outside of that, I mean, it, the playoffs are basically set. I mean, the seating may change if they had if they played out the season. Which, whatever, seating's not really overly important. I don't think. So I'd probably just start with the playoffs. Uh, i give I would give them a ramp up period. Uh, where they can actually, like, get their legs under them again and start with the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I mean, they the only team. The whole reason the NBA is talking about finishing out the regular season, the Golden State Warriors are the only team uh, technically eliminated from the playoffs at this point. Um, why do they need to play games? I don't know. But there's about 10 or 11 teams that have no chance of making the playoffs. Like, mathematically, they could. But why do those guys care? To me, I think it just makes sense to just say, "Hey, we're going to start with the playoffs, and we don't have to worry about half these other teams." Um, you know, they're going to try to either do it. Looks like in Orlando or in Vegas. I assume, they're, I assume. Yeah, I assume they're going to Orlando. Um, Vegas currently has a excuse me an outbreak going on right now. This coronavirus. So I assume Orlando's where it's at uh, is where they're going to end up going. Um, but guys, there's the possible they're not going to have any fans and possibility of no fans next year in the NBA. It's about 40% of revenue Hickman. How big of a deal is that for the NBA?
0: I think they survive. I think it's, I think it's a big deal. Basketball is just one of those sports. That's uh, maybe a little better in person. If you're up close, like football, just a lot of ways isn't, Um, but it's, it's, it's some sort of a blow, but they'll, they'll get by. It's, it's it's not uh it's it's not a big enough deal to not do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think in I think in all the sports, the crowd plays a bigger role in basketball than I think any other. Uh, in football, you just don't notice the crowd. I mean, they get loud when you break away for a touchdown, but you know you don't hear the crowd when you're getting ready to chuck a forty yard laser, um, yeah. or you know, or they, they react after a big hit or something like that baseball, the crowds, non-existent, you know, they stand up for the seventh inning stretch, but other than that, you don't know they're there. Uh, the NBA, I think there is something, especially in the playoffs to a crowd. Um, so I think it matters, but then again, I mean, we're looking at a year where, I mean, guys, there are teams that are actually healthy right now, you know, the Mavericks, the 76ers Mm -hmm. that have a legit shot now because they're healthy. That didn't, if the season had continued, um, so, Chris, is this going to be a year the whoever wins the NBA has an asterisk next to their
2: next to their championship? No, uh, every, every season's unique in and of injuries. I mean, injuries have a big, a big like uh, influence on the outcome of the season. So, I mean, I, I think injury luck, something that happens and this is kind of something. It's just something that's going to distinguish the 2020 champion. Uh yeah, there was a coronavirus, It it happened. But every year has its own individual, unique thing. So, I mean, I don't think it's going to be an asterisk.
1: When LeBron wins the title like everybody expected at the beginning of the year, LeBron and AD, it's, nobody's, going to know. nobody's going to care that they won in 2020 after they all got healthy and laid off. Um, but speaking of Karen Hickman, the NASCAR circuit is starting back on Sunday. Did you know that races were starting on Sunday and do you care?
0: Um, no to both. Um, <laughs> my man. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, so I used to be a bit of a NASCAR fan, like back way back in the day. So uh, my dad and I would watch a lot of NASCAR as uh, I was a fan of Bill Elliott and Mark Martin way back in the day. Um. <laughs> I think it's a pretty good opportunity for NASCAR to put something on um, as the only show in town, effectively. Um, they I, I don't even know how they're still in existence, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a little surprised
1: that NASCAR doesn't just rent out Bristol or one of these tracks, because let's be honest, guys, they go in a circle. its I mean, if you're watching 300 laps, 500 laps, whatever it is, miles, whatever it is, um, whether they stay at the same track or they change tracks, it doesn't really matter. There's no fans anyway. I'm surprised they don't just find the same track or the same one or two tracks and, and stick to it. Um, I could care less about NASCAR. I'm not going to watch, but I bet more people will, especially gamblers who have nothing else to gamble on. All of a sudden, we'll start finding some some racing bets that are worth their while. Um, I mean, Hickman, you put the Hick in Hickman, but Chris... Are you ready for NASCAR to start back?
2: I am I'm kind of excited. i uh, I watched <laughs> a lot of iRacing. Uh, oh my
1: gosh. You I, watched, I mean, I knew you were growing a mullet. I didn't realize it was because of
2: your NASCAR fandom.
1: You I, watched
2: iRacing. I haven't watched well, I ha- I haven't worked in eight weeks now. So uh, <laughs> I'm running out of things to do. So this Wednesday night, uh iRacing, your little Sunday race. Uh my my kid loves it. Like he'll he'll sit here and watch it with me. Uh and one cool thing they're doing the first two weeks they're back, they're having a Sunday and Wednesday race at the same track. So this week's Darlington, next week's Charlotte. Uh so I think that's a smart decision on their part. Uh
1: well Chris, but, let me ask you, are i races just as long as regular races?
2: No, they're
1: shortened. Okay. But like if you get if you crash. You just get you a new car and
2: go right back out, right? You you get one reset for the whole race.
1: (laughs) So what keeps a guy from just wrecking everybody?
2: I mean, eventually his he's going to wreck his car, and like, I mean, if you can't like have a certain speed, then then you have to use your reset. Okay. So it's you. It's not just like it's not like just. You're playing NASCAR Thunder back in 2003. And you <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Grab the remote and wreck everybody. Uh, it's yeah. not like that. Where you it's... go the
1: wrong way until everybody crashes, and then you take off. <laughs> exactly.
2: It's not quite like that. So.
1: But in so, iRacing, everybody's car is the exact same.
2: Um. It depends on the race. Like you can. You, there, there's different options for that. Okay. Some some of these guys are like get real technical with it and have certain setups and some guys just take the stock setup. So, and some guys just
0: quit in the middle of the race. So I understand why be
2: yep. <laughs> Shout out, the guy.
0: so let me, let me toss something out here as a fun fact. Um, NASCAR is like golden age, I guess what the eighties and nineties when you had oh, larger yeah. than life people like, you know, Dale Earnhardt and Daryl Waltrip and Jeff Gordon, all the, all the huge names mm. there. Um, that was sort of spearheaded by a circumstance where more people than were expected watched a race. And that was an 84, the 84 firecracker 400 that was on the 4th of July. Um, There was like this giant rainstorm um, through most of the U S and of course it was super sunny in Daytona. That's where that race was. And it was apparently a crazy race ended with um, Richard Petty winning his 200th race. And final race he ever won, and a couple of guys got in a brawl. Like I don't remember who the, who they were, but like a couple of drivers at the end of the race got in a giant fight. Like so, bunch of people watching this race because fewer fewer media options, um, and they didn't go outside on the Fourth of July. Watched what was on TV. It happened to be a race at Daytona. The biggest star won, and some secondary people got into a huge fight, sparking um, renewed interest. So, if something crazy happens this weekend in NASCAR, well, you know where it's a a, an option in limited media.
2: Hopefully, it doesn't involve the N word. That would
0: (laughs) that would be bad. That's the biggest publicity they've gotten in the past month. So, I don't remember that guy's name, but
2: Kyle Larson.
0: Come on, Kyle.
1: Yeah, Kyle. Uh, It looks like the fight was between Pearson and Richmond.
0: Okay, David Pearson was a big deal. I think he's he like second deal. or third in all-time wins, and Tim Richmond died of HIV, if I'm not mistaken, in the 80s, and he was a big deal. I,
2: I thought you were limited to like random football knowledge, but this is this is pretty <laughs> impressive right here.
0: <laughs> this is their uh, sports event back in the house. I don't know, man. I'm glad to some have you. Stuff, thanks, guys. Some of that random stuff just stays there.
1: According to Wikipedia, the race was of note because... Ronald Reagan attended the race.
0: Oh, that was probably before the, what, well, that was during the, the 84, uh, election campaign. So yeah, that would have been a big deal. And he won like all but one state, I think that year. So.
2: See so you, what you're saying is Donald Trump's attending the, uh, race in Daytona yeah. July weekend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he honestly should. If he's, that would really be hilarious <laughs> guys.
1: According to Wikipedia, President Reagan joined Petty and other drivers for a Kentucky Fried Chicken and Pepsi picnic. During the Stop picnic, it. country singer Tammy Wynette stood arm in arm with the president on stage while singing Stand By Your Man.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. That's <laughs> There's totally a precedent where that happens today. Where... Where... Uh, Trump stands next to I don't know who's the biggest star right now in NASCAR. I don't know. Kevin Harvick and uh, Kyle Florida Bush. Ge- Kyle Busch and Florida Georgia Line plays oh. while they eat uh, Chick-fil-A.
1: Oh, they eat McDonald's Big Macs.
0: Oh man, that's so funny. <laughs> that's like mm. peak, that's peak 80s consumerism right there. That is, I think that like that's is. that's peak Reaganomics. Oh, that's awesome.
1: All right, Chris, MLB, it looks like they're going to start playing as we expected July 4th if the players agree to a pay cut. Now, make sure I get this right. The owners and the players union agree to a certain percentage the players get. If the owners make more than expected, they get to reap all the benefits. If they have a year like this year where fans aren't going to show up, they take a pay cut, all of a sudden they're not making as much money. They expect the players to also take a pay cut. It appears Scott Boris, who is mega agent for most baseball players, um, has basically said his guys aren't going to sign that. Will baseball start
2: July 4th? Are these players going to agree to a pay cut or not? Oh, This one's such a complex, complex answer right here. So uh, there's there's no salary cap in baseball. So, I mean, the owners can spend whatever they want to owners are making millions, hundreds of millions of dollars a year and, uh, owners are playing. It's so weird. Cause I mean, nobody's going to feel sorry for baseball players making millions of dollars. Um, for some reason, the regular person, average Joe feels sorry for the owners. I don't, I don't, I don't know how this happens. Don't every call time. my
1: dad out like that, Chris.
2: Sorry, <laughs> but it's true. Uh, so yeah, it's, I, I don't know if the players are going to be able to say like, Hey, uh, you're either pay this or we're not playing. Uh, because that the, the media, it's just going to be terrible press by doing that. Uh, Cause nobody feels sorry for the players. Uh, but at the same time for ownership, I mean, ownership's always like, Hey, we're the ones taking the risk in this situation. And uh, they're like, yeah, um, I'm saying like in a typical year, they're like, hey, we're paying you, and we're taking risk. And now that there is a risk, actually, they're going to lose money. Uh, They're like, ooh, like, can we renegotiate this real fast? (laughs) Um, Baseball's union, somehow they don't have a salary cap, but it is one of the worst unions in pro sports. Uh, Just absolutely dysfunctional. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. It's anybody's guess, to be honest, and it's just a guess. Uh, I think we'll see baseball, but owners have been very – they're like, Hey, if we don't have a salary cap where we split 50, 50 profit profits are split 50, 50. Uh, they're like, we're just not going to have a year cause we're, we'll be losing money by playing this year. Uh, that's literally what owner said. If there's no fans there. So I don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's very complex and it's, I mean, it's almost just waiting on like, it's just a bunch of dynamite just waiting on a spark. I mean, it's just something ready to explode. Uh, there's, there's lots of frustrations from every single side imaginable. And I don't know. It's going to be a fun one to watch play out because uh, everybody's going to try to get the media narrative to go their way. And for some reason, owners always win in that. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know why. But they do. They do. And it drives me nuts. I
1: This kind of stuff, I just don't understand. I mean, you see it with corporations, you know, uh, uh, big businesses right now are, Slashing payrolls and hiring freezes and all this stuff, and uh, you know, you still have some corporations where CEOs are still making money. Um, so I, I don't understand it. Um, the owners—they've been talking about how they take all the risk for years. But Hickman—I mean, I may be wrong on this, uh, and you can help me out, but. Isn't there like a waiting list of hundreds of people that would love to own a professional franchise in almost any sport right now because there is no
2: risk?
0: Of course. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I I mean, put, Mark Cuban. put me <laughs> on the list. <laughs> Don't yeah, think I, can I get mean, the capital.
1: I mean, even like in even like in football where everybody keeps talking about, you know, the health and stuff, like mm-hmm. if a team went went for sale today. Uh, I mean, it's going to sell for a minimum of two billion, no matter what the team is. Um, billion with a B, because there is no risk. Those guys are printing money, um, so I'm with Chris. I don't know what's going to happen. For some reason, people always do side with the owners, and it cracks me up uh, because they argue about how players are greedy. And they make more than they're worth, and well, they only make as much as fans spend on them. Uh, but for some reason, everybody's okay with the owners, you know who have zero effort going into it being okay so it'll be interesting to see Hickman if the, if baseball doesn't play this year it's another um, you know not a strike year but basically it's another year without baseball mm-hmm. does that matter to you is it going to change the way you view baseball in the future or you don't care about baseball anyway so you don't really care
0: <laughs> I know why you threw this to me first <laughs> <laughs> why is that <laughs> Uh, cuz I think you and I are aligned on this. No, I'm not going to care. Um So, um not going to change really anything about my opinions of baseball. So, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: Sorry Marlins, won't be watching <laughs> any of your games.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm a guy who I I don't care about baseball, but I do go to generally half a dozen minor league games in town every year. Yeah. Well, they ain't playing this year, so you know, I might start going back next year. I don't know, but I doubt I won't go to as many. But in general, I wasn't watching baseball. So it's kind of egregious of me to sit here and talk about how terrible the sport is when I wasn't watching it to begin with. So it's I don't really care if they play or not. But Chris, will baseball suffer if they don't play this year?
2: Uh yeah, it's just gonna be another black eye of the uh I don't know, tens of black eyes they've had since <laughs> ninety ninety four. Uh or just in my lifetime in general. I mean, there seems to be always something hovering over the sport of baseball. I mean, it feels like it was years ago that the whole Astros thing hit the wall where uh mm-hmm. where uh yeah, the the manager GM basically got fired over it. Uh, everybody in baseball hated the Astros. I think they still hate the Astros. But uh <laughs> Yeah, it's it'll be just another another black eye. I mean I mean eventually baseball has to get sore being a punching bag, but they're there for it right now.
1: And they're gonna print money next year no matter if they play this year or not. So again, yeah. it doesn't really matter. But speaking of a black guy, Zion Williamson, his former agent, is suing him. And uh basically Zion signed with an agent and then backed out of that, that contract to back to be able to back out of that contract, he had to sue them to basically say our contract was null and void because you weren't registered in the state of North Carolina. The agent uh who expects to get paid for Zion's you know, all of his contracts Pretty and deal. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Of- is is counter suing Zion. Um, and as part of that counter suit, is basically saying you need to tell a judge exactly how much money you were worth when you graduated or when you left Duke and how much you are worth now. Um, And I was the only one who was working with you between that time period. And so as part of this lawsuit, um, Zion is being asked under oath to answer a series of questions. One being if he took money from Duke, uh, if his parents took money who paid for this parent's housing, where they lived and all that fun stuff. Um, Hickman, how big of a deal is this for Zion and for Duke?
0: Um, Ultimately, it won't matter for Zion. I think it would matter for Duke. Um, We all know this stuff happens. Uh, (laughs) We all know the NCAA isn't going to do anything. Uh, (laughs) But I think it's a big deal that it's brought to light. And maybe that's the first... I mean, everybody hates Duke. Maybe they're the first one that somebody that's the first domino to fall. But I feel like they're invincible. I don't I I just go back to the stuff that happened in North Carolina with like making up classes. If that stuff didn't cause anything to come down the pipeline, nothing's going to. Um, So but I I do still think this it is a black eye for Duke. uh, And Zion's going to continue to make money and play for the Pelicans. And it's just not going to not going to matter to him.
1: Yeah, you say that everybody hates Duke, uh, but Bomani well, Jones, Jones wrote an article uh, this past week basically saying that if Zine had gone to Kentucky and this was Kentucky and Calipari, the media would be all over it. They would have already struck true. Kentucky as guilty when the media seems to love Duke. They love Duke and all their white guys and how they do it the right way and Coach K and all that stuff. Um, Chris... From a school who, you know, 10, 15 years ago, Corey McGetty admitted to getting paid to going to Duke and the NCAA deciding back then that, well, he probably got paid, but the school didn't know about it, which then ushered into the Rick Patino era of, you know, not knowing isn't an acceptable excuse anymore. And they changed the rules. I mean, we know Duke has done this in the past. Um, is this a big deal for Duke?
2: Um, I'm kind of torn. I I think it could lead to Coach K retiring. Uh, I think that's very plausible to happen. He's, I think, retiring him, or having a, a back
1: surgery. <laughs>
2: uh, I mean, <laughs> what's he like? 74 <laughs> now?
0: That's funny. Super old. I mean, he's about
1: to be about to be Father Christmas.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think it could lead to him retiring, but in the same sense, uh, we all know that Nike, uh, fully supports the top college stars to go to Duke, Kentucky or Oregon. Those three schools, they, they get a ton of push from Nike. Um, and it, it probably is illegal how much they influence that, but it is what it is. I don't, I don't care. Uh, I mean, I think it's accepted at this point. And I think the name image, image likeness, whenever players can actually make money like that from shoe companies, I think that's going to change some things. So Can't happen soon enough. And I think that will be Duke's argument is, well, we have name, image, and likeness. We were just ahead of the game on that one.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like Kansas. Well, here's the thing. Duke's not going to have to make an argument because what Zion should do and will do is he's going to settle this. Um, His former agent doesn't ask this question under oath unless they already know the answer to. Zion's not going to answer it. He's going to write them a big check and be done with it, because his former agent also said that they would put Coach K on the stand to testify um, if this went to trial. Coach K ain't showing up, um, <laughs> no. So if Coach K has to personally pay Zion a couple million dollars to get this to get you know be done with this, then he'll do it. But this ain't happened because, as Chris said, um, the name, image, and likeness situations is coming next year. For better or for worse, um, some of the ideas the NCAA has to um, to police that, I like. Um, but here's the deal, guys. Players are going to get paid. The NCAA just says as long as they get paid a fair value, it's okay. Nobody can define a fair value. NCAA says you can't promise these things uh, on recruiting trips. It's a he, shed, he said, she said, and unless there's vid- you know, unless audio the recordings. Barbecue. Man. Yeah, unless it's a barbecue. Uh, your name's Bruce <laughs> Pearl. Um, oh, gosh. So, I mean, I don't think it's as big of a deal because I think all this is going to be legal next year. Uh, just like transfers are going to be the Wild West of, of basketball like they've kind of become this year. Yeah. Um, so, Zion's going to settle, but I do love that they have they have put Duke um, under oath and basically said, did they t- did they pay you money or not? Because as a Kentucky fan, and Kentucky thought they had a really good chance at Zion, supposedly one of Cal's biggest frustrations wasn't that he didn't get Zion, but they, they had no clue he was going to Duke. They thought it was either Clemson or Kentucky um, for Duke to come out of nowhere with the with the checkbook. It probably does help Coach K's idea that the bag man left to go coach at Pitt. Um, but yeah, and... In the big scheme of things, I don't think this is a huge deal for college basketball. But a big deal for college football. California is going to be online only this fall. All public schools in California colleges will be online only in the fall. Uh, Mark Emmert, the head of the NCAA, has said if if, uh, a school is online, they can't play sports. So, Chris, is this the end of the Pac-12
2: as we know it? I think so. Uh, the Pac-12 has been falling further and further behind. I, I remember when I was growing up, that wasn't the case. I feel like the Pac-12 was right there with the rest of the major conferences. Mm-hmm. Uh, the SEC network happened, uh, and the SEC partnership with ESPN kind of propelled uh, the SEC ahead. The Big Tens uh, followed suit a little a little bit later, and they, they've they separated themselves. I feel like the ACC safe, and it was really the Pac-12 or Big 12, and the the Big yeah, Twelve I mean. has has kind of separated themselves. Uh, I mean, you see, Mike Leach, he went from Washington State to Mississippi State. Very lateral move, but he's making about twice as much money. Mm. Uh, the Pac-12 just doesn't have the money. Uh, I think Larry Scott's the commissioner out there, if I'm not mistaken. Somehow,
1: and he is still the commissioner he, out there.
2: He is a god awful commissioner. Uh, <laughs> he's literally going to kill the conference. Uh, the only thing that might save the conference is the Rose bowl. Uh, you got these loyalists that just love the Rose bowl and like, Oh, pac 12, big, T- big 10. Got to have it. Uh, that, that might be the saving grace for them, but I can't imagine a college football season that, that you have conferences like teams that don't play, participate in it. Uh, especially if you're considered a power five school. Uh, I think it's been rumored for a while. That's why I put it on the outline that we're going to have four 16 team conferences, uh, I feel like that's inevitable to happen at some point, and I think this could be the thing that triggers it to happen sooner than later. So,
1: Pickman, possible. what what do you think about the Pac-12 here? I mean, they're if they don't, if they're not, I mean, LA has said today they're going to have a stay-at-home order for the next three months. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to school in the fall. Larry Scott has basically said that they're planning on playing in the spring. <clears> they're going to start in January or February with football. If everybody plays in the fall and they decide to play in the spring, you know Alabama's supposed to play USC week one. TCU's going to UCLA week
0: one. How's all this work? I I think it. I I'm with Chris. I think it, I think it doesn't. Um, it's there's this separation between you know the business of college football and you know, the rest of what college um, you know it funds football funds the rest of The rich revenue sport funds, the rest of the athletics. So everything, the school's got to have it, you know? So, man, I, I I think it becomes a complete disaster for, um, for the conference. And, and what was it about 2010 ish that the big 12, like it was like a day away from folding entirely. Right. Like when Colorado bolted and all that. Yeah. Um, I think we're probably there at the Pac-12. I think you're spot on about the four four major conferences. And then, and then it becomes interesting to see which schools, um, you know, try to leverage their way into being in the power four. Um, and who may not, like, there may be a school that's in the power conferences right now that isn't in the future. Um, that's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. Um, but yeah, I think this could definitely spell doom for that conference. Y'all are y'all are spot on.
1: If everybody else in the country plays in August, and California says we're going to wait until January, we're going to hope to play, but we don't know who we're going to play. I mean, does not That's every player tra- every at that point every player yeah. transfers to, and they, even if they have to sit out, they're going they to
2: transfer out. It'll be, yeah, it'll, it be it would be essentially like the if you go on probation kind of thing. But I'm saying, like, yeah, even
1: even if the NCAA tries to protect the Pac-12 and says, hey, you got to sit out, at least they can train. At least they're practicing with the the team. If they're planning on going to the NFL draft, they're somewhat ready because during all this, teams can't have workouts. They can't show up. Um, So, I mean, if they try to do this, I think this is the end of the Pac-12. But here's the deal. I don't think California is the only state that's going to do this. Um, I think New York is not far behind. I think it's possible. Illinois does the same thing at that point. If the big 10 says, Hey Rutgers and Illinois can't play football in the fall. Do they try to play without those schools or do they try to wait until the spring, especially if they know they have a better chance of having fans show up in the spring than they do in the fall.
2: Great question. Uh, either way, there's going to be a college football season this year. Uh, because, yep. as Hickman said, it is the money maker. It uh, has to be. <laughs> they, they, I don't think colleges have any problems uh, saying, saying no to any other sport except for mm-hmm. football. Football will happen. It may be in the spring. Uh, I don't know when it will be. But whenever the SEC says they're going to play football, I no, would advise bro. other conferences to uh, <laughs> say yes, that works. We'll do the same. Uh, to me, as a fan, worst-case scenario, again, as a
1: fan – Uh, football season doesn't start till January and they go January to March. Basketball season starts January, February, and they go until May. Um, because to me, I think teams that look at it and say, well, if we have fans, we make $5 million per home game. If we don't, we make nothing. If you're coinciding with basketball, those big money guys have to choose. Are we going to the football games, or the basketball games, Mm -hmm. and they're all taking a revenue hit. You can't keep up with both. Um, so to me, as a fan, I think that's worst-case scenario is all of a sudden we get football and basketball during the same season. It'll ESPN. Yeah, I mean, what's ESPN going to show all of a sudden? Football. Kentucky, Kentucky <laughs> and Van, Yeah, Kentucky and Vandy basketball is playing at 1 o'clock in the morning because it's the only time they can get on TV, and they have to play on TV for revenue. Um, so I think that's worst-case scenario. But I'm interested to see. I think California, though, is betting on the fact that they're not going to be the only ones. Um, But how awesome would it be if California ushered in the whole uh, name, image, bill of players were able to get paid and then had to fold the year before the rule came out (laughs) because they didn't have football season because of the coronavirus. Um, It'll be interesting to see. I still think there's a good chance that football starts – Probably not in August, uh, but November, December, I think, looks like a good timeline. I think they're going to scrap all these non-conference games because of situations like this. I agree. Alabama, and, Alabama and TCU supposedly are in, in conversations of playing week one since they can't go to California. But I think most teams will scrap non-conference games, start a conference schedule in November, December, still have bowl games, all that fun stuff. Um, but it's definitely going to be wild. Um, To see but only time will tell what happens as somebody mentioned at the beginning of this podcast four months is a long time Um, a lot will happen a lot will change so I have no idea what Dr. Fauci is going to say what the president's going to say much less what some conference commissioner state governor. Come president like
2: you know what the president is gonna say
1: <laughs> that's true i do know what he's gonna say <laughs> that's pretty uh, predictable. but there's so many people that all have to agree on this thing that it just seems unlikely to happen um but we'll see here's hoping it does so we have more stuff to talk about and but if we don't guys i propose we talk. we have a fast food condiment bracket in the works Ooh. ready to go Um uh, I think we could all agree that Chick fil A was the best fast food company. But when it comes to condiments, I think you got some issues there. Um,
0: all right. I, I need to go try some dipping sauces. I'm a Magnum <laughs>
1: guy myself. Talking about condiments, Chris. <laughs>
0: wow. <laughs> gotcha. Wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Missed you guys. Condiments. <laughs> con- <laughs> da-
1: uh, well, if Chris said he was a Magnum XL guy, we wouldn't know he was lying. But uh, <laughs> this has been episode forty. We brought you Sean Kemp. We brought you Gail Sayers, and unfortunately, I'm sure we also brought, brought you some Eudonis Haslam. But next week, right. we promise to do better. Next week, Dirk Nowinski's coming at you, Dirk. Dirk. Episode forty one.
2: Have is a good dark story. Oh. Ready for it. He'd kick, <laughs> he kick,
1: kick you in the nuts like he does everybody else on his fadeaway jump shot. Negative. <laughs> next week, Sports Nuts and Beer Guts. We'll see you. Hickman, great to have you back. See Thanks, you next guys.
0: week. See ya.